this morning we just want to come before you. We come before you because your name is powerful. There is no rival, there is no equal. Lord, right now as we prepare ourselves to hear from your word, I pray that you would prepare our hearts so that we would experience your spirit and your truth into moments in our life where we feel like we have no control. Because we say that there is no rival, but sometimes we don't live that out. So Lord, I pray that you would prepare us to hear from your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So what do you do when the unexpected happens? What do you do? There's a, um, a psychological term in different industries that, that talk about fight or flight. The idea of when things get tough, sometimes we run away. The idea of flight. Other times when the going gets tough, we, we fight. Now, both can be good, both can also be bad. We read in Scripture of a time when uh, a young man was tempted by another guy's wife. And so he, flight was the, opposite, was the right thing to do. He jumped out the window and he ran away. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was, you know, flight can be a good thing when the un- unknown happens and, and terrible things sit in that space. Other times there's moments where you have to fight for what is right. Sometimes you can do that well, sometimes you can do that poorly. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and they came to arrest him and Peter, he's going to fight, pulls out his sword and lops someone's ear off. Probably not the best thing to do. Um, Jesus picks the ear up and heals the guy and tells Peter off. So fight and flight can be good, fight and flight can be bad. Let's see if we we understand this enough. We're going to play a game. It's a very simple game. There's no prizes like the chocolate that we got for living a long way away. That's awesome. Uh, So the the game works. If you think that it is um, fight, the answer is fight, stand. If you think the answer is flight, stay seated. Okay, you can play this at home too. I know your couches are comfy, but bear with us. Okay, first one is money is tight. This is the scenario. Money is tight. The bills are starting to pile up. You're not sure how you're going to pay them because the money coming in isn't equaling the money that needs to go out. And, and, and there's a, a, an unevenness that's starting to take place. You, you feel the strain of finances, but payday is just around the corner. Payday finally comes. You realize there's still not enough money to pay all of the bills but you feel so weighed down and so bad that you just want to go and treat yourself because you've been carrying it for so long and you deserve it. So you go shopping and you buy something and you feel a little bit better. So you buy something else and you feel a little bit better and you buy something else and you feel a little bit better. And by the time at the end of the day, you've got all this amazing stuff, but you realize you've spent most of your paycheck and the bills are still piling up. Fight or flight? Everyone's sitting down, good job, you guys are great at this. Amazing, you've ran away from the problem. You've distracted yourself 
absolute flight. The second scenario, you realize you, you are physically totally out of energy. You walk up a set of stairs and are embarrassed by the time you get to the top of just how much energy you don't have. You, you make a, a decision within yourself that you cannot go on. You don't want to embarrass yourself again by, by walking up those stairs. So you need to do something about that. So you decide the next day you're going to go for a walk. You set your sneakers next to your bed. You set the alarm for 7 o'clock. This is it. I'm not going to be embarrassed again. It was a morning much like this morning and the alarm goes off and it's cold. And you think, well, I was so tired. Maybe I just need some more rest. And so you justify not getting out of bed and going for that walk because you just need more. Fight or flight. You're fighting. You're fighting for more rest. There's way too many people. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Maybe this one could be a real scenario. Maybe not. You forget a family member's birthday. It was your job to buy the present. And it gets really close to the day. And somebody says to you, have you purchased that present? And you realize that it was your job but your reaction is a little bit different because then you start blaming other people for not reminding you. Fight or flight. It, it's the negative fight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was me. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, shouldn't, I should have bought the present. It's my fault. <laughs> this is life, isn't it? Fight or flight. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Sometimes, you know, the, the unknown conditions of life means that we're faced with Times when we, we want to run away, times when we need to fight. Sometimes we fight appropriately, sometimes we don't. We fight inappropriately, as we heard, you know, just that, that analogy of Peter in the garden. But what about when the unknown happens in life and, and our relationship with God is, is tied up to it? Do we, do we keep our relationship away from the problems or do we move our, our relationship with God closer to God? Do we fight or flight? Because there's moments in life when we have an opportunity to lean into our relationship with God or run away from it. And today we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about that and how when the unknown happens, and let's face it, none of us probably thought we'd be wearing masks this morning. There's unknown that's, that's happening on a weekly basis all over our country. When the unknown happens, how do we make sure we are fighting in the right direction for our relationship with God? We're going to see what Scripture has to say about that this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as the unknown presents itself to us, I pray that we would fight for our relationship with you because you are not only the God of the unknown, you are the God in the unknown because you know all things. So God, may you give us the skills and the courage to fight this morning for what is right. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's passage is quite an important passage in the Old Testament in that it sets up a pattern and a rhythm that we see echo all the way through the Old Testament, the old part of the Bible, all the way through to when Jesus is born in the New Testament. And there's this, this guy called Abraham, and God talks to Abraham and calls him. 
And it's found in Genesis chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, you can read the, the first three verses. Now, this is essentially like a contract. Now, in, in the, the Bible, they call them covenants. But just think of it like a contract. And it's like an agreement between God and this guy called Abraham that says this. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house, hold, to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So in this, what do we see? Abraham has a decision to make. He goes, am I going to follow God or not? Am I going to fight and follow or flight and run away? What am I going to do with my relationship with God? Now, God asks him to do three things. The first one, and they're quite significant. Firstly, it's go from your father's country, your people, and your father's household. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Hugely significant things. Go from your country, your comfort, the things that you know, Go from your, father's, uh, from your people, your identity, the group that you belong to, and your father's household, your family. And so if you were to say, what are, the, what are two of the most stressful things that you ever face in life? Um, marriage and moving house. And here he's, he's got two of those straight away. Um, he's, he's told to, to leave his father's, father's household, his family, which when you think of family, when you, you have a family, it's your future. It changes the direction of your life. And so God is saying, what I want you to change is everything you know, everything you are, and everything that you will be. Just that simple thing. Just, just, you know, just, if you just do that, that little one. Abraham then has a choice. But this is a covenant. And so God's going to do something himself too. And so God has some I will statements in this passage as well. There's going to, go, there's going to be land that, that I will, God says, I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I will curse. So God's going to do a part of this as well if Abraham chooses to, to be in relationship and partnership with him. And then what does Abraham get out of this? What is the reward? Well, firstly, God says, well, I'm going to give you a land that I will show you. So there's land. There's, there's a location. I will make you into a great nation. There is, once again, identity. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so there's also the idea of his family that is aligned with that. And so the three things that God said, I want you to give up to follow me, God said, I will give them back to you, but under me, under my leadership, under my headship. I will give you a land. I will give you a space where you know, a space where you belong. I will give you identity within your people group. I will give you purpose. 
And, and at, at a stretch, it's like you become a child of God, but God even has a greater plan for that. And the future, through his family, we see that Abraham has a son called Isaac, which becomes the nation of Israel, which becomes the Jewish nation of modern-day Jews. But through that family tree, Jesus comes, and everyone is blessed because of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, God makes a contract, a covenant with Abraham. Abraham had a choice, fight or flight. But because he fought, God did amazing things through him. We fast forward to the New Testament. Old Testament is before Jesus and the history of the Jewish nation. The New Testament is when Jesus enters the story. And one of the Gospels, one of the, the, story, the books that speak directly um, about Jesus and uses his words is found um, the book of Luke. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, we read, In the same way, after supper, this is Jesus, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant, new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, Abraham found his purpose, his, his idea of identity, and his idea of future under God. Now, Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you will find your purpose, your identity, and your future under me. It's a new covenant, a new contract. It's our choice. We can choose it or not. Got one more verse before we share some stories. And it's found in James chapter 4, verse 8. And we read this. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And here is a challenge in James to draw closer to God, to fight for your relationship with God. There, there are times when, when we do the wrong thing, we need to wash our hands. There are times when we're going to mess up. But our call is to draw near to God, to fight for our relationship with God rather than running away. You see, the idea here is that, that when things get tough, we know that un, uncertain things happen in life and there's times when, when our relationship with God isn't where it should be and we, we've been running away. And when, we get run, when things run away and we're trying to move the obstacles in our life, there's no leverage. We can't move the things that, that are in our way. The unknown happens. We can't avoid that. There's unknown things that are going to happen each and every day. You never know when that car in front of you is going to slam on its brakes. I'm not trying to make you nervous. <laughs> but you know, there's unknown things that just happen in life. And where you position yourself, where, you, where your relationship with God is, in that moment really does matter. And what we've been reading in Scripture so far is draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to the problems that you're going to face and it's going to make it easier to overcome the obstacles. But sometimes we find ourselves way down here and the obstacles are mounting up and they're not moving. The bills are piling up, as the metaphor goes, and we don't know how to shift them. We don't know where to start. It's a passage in Scripture found in Jeremiah 29 and starting in verse 12. It says, When you call on me and come to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. 
You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and all the places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place in which I carried you into exile. Written at a time in history where God's people had forgotten about the the contract, the covenant with Abraham, and have turned their backs on God. And God said, well, the whole agreement says, if you do these things, I will do this for you. But if you don't do that, I can't, because I'm a just God and a fair God. And what they'd done is they'd removed God, and the the issues started to, to pile up, and they'd push God away, and God said, I'm here, I love you, I care for you, I want to be here, but you've placed me here. And that passage says, if you call on me and you cry out for me, if you search me for all your heart, I'll be there in an instant. I'm waiting for you, I just need you to call out to me. I'm not going to force my way in, it's your choice, but I'm waiting for you, because I love you. And we know in the the book of Jeremiah, a little bit later on, that takes... um, a little bit later in history, they do cry out to God. And he does deliver them because he loves them. You see, it's, it's like this. We'd like to think as the church that when the going gets tough, we go to God. It's like a catchphrase. You know, we, going gets tough, yes, we go to God. That's what we do. But what's the reality? If we're really honest with ourselves, when, when we run into opposition, when the going gets tough, Quite often, that's not what happens. Often, God, our faith, our practices, our habits are the first thing to go. You think that we, we live a life of devote, a devoted life to God. What does that look like? Well, it, devotion is simply being devoted to God. It may not look the same for everyone, but there's, there's something in us that puts God first. But all of a sudden you start to run out of time and it's busy and, and you, you don't put God first on that day because it was really busy and you forget to think of God. Then the next week the same thing happens again and you, you forget to put God and you forget to start the day maybe in prayer. And the next week you forget to pray again and all of a sudden this life of devotion isn't focused on God anymore, it's focused on you. Maybe it was a time in your life where each and every day just prayer was the first thing that was in your mind. You'd be driving and someone would hit their brakes and you'd think, bless that person for having such quick reactions for whatever it was that was in front of them. I'm so happy that they're able to get around town and have independence. Maybe that's your prayer. Take prayer out of it. Maybe there was a time in your relationship with God where where all of a sudden God's word just became alive to you. And you read a passage, like like we're just reading in, in, in... Genesis chapter 12, you just go, what? There's a, there's a covenant there, and oh, there's, there's another covenant there. Does that, does that change it, or does it add to it, or how's it work? Oh, there's another covenant back here, and that Jesus made this covenant that overarches all the other covenants. Wow, it's amazing! And you get this passion for it. And you lose the habit of reading God's word to the point where it's a chore, fight or flight. 
small group becomes hard to get to because you're too busy. Attending church becomes optional. You're not reflecting your relationship with God and your giving, let alone acts of serving the body of Christ with your time and your thoughts. And we see that for some of those scenarios, some of us may be feeling a conviction. And I say, that's, that's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Don't feel guilty. God loves you. But maybe you found yourself withdrawing, flighting instead of fighting. The good news is that God loves you. He's waiting for you. And if you search for him, he's right there. You see, I was going to tell some stories around what this looks like in the real world. You see, last year, we had a group of year 12s within our church that I want to say, in, in my lifetime, would have been one of the hardest years of study ever. Now, I'm not old enough to remember a world war, so I'm not saying the hardest time ever in history, but I'm saying in my lifetime... And what I've seen in the education system and, and my high school experience and stuff, I'm looking at the year 12s that have just gone through last year and, and essentially they were robbed because of COVID. As so many people were robbed of different things. But I want to say a year 12s that were a part of this church and other churches across our city had every right to sit here to go, I am so busy and I want to get grades, and I don't know how to do this, and the whole community, the social element of your last year of, of secondary education is, isn't sort of there, so we're going to move ourselves here and just study and study, because I need to do it, and I'm told the world tells I've got to get good marks, and I've got to do this stuff. They had every right to be up here. But what I saw within the, the Christian community within Ballarat when it came to our year 12s is they, they chose to position themselves and fight for their relationship with God. And in doing so, putting God near the problem, putting God first, said that, you know what, I've got study, I've got pressure, how can I not spend time praying? And they gathered together and they met outside when we were able to meet outside and they worshipped during the week and they came. And when God was near the problem, naturally, it just overcome the, the problem. <laughs> Never worked, ever. This looks so good in my head. <laughs> but I want to say I'm so proud of our year 12s because they fought for their relationship with God. They fought for one another. When one was down, they, they fought to be able to, to come together and worship God. They fought to be able to pick one up and say, oh, no, I've got too much. No, I'll come and pick you up. I've got too much work to do. No, I will pick you up and take you there. And once they got there, they're worshiping God and then they had a fresh head and they went back and continued their study. I was so proud of how they, they faced the unknown last year. Doesn't mean it was easy, doesn't mean they had all the answers, doesn't mean they all got straight A's, but they fought for their relationship with God, and in that, they experienced God. I say some of those year 12s are here. Josiah's, I don't know if that camera's live, but right there on that camera, um, Josiah just came back from a camp this last week and was up editing that camp video till, was it one o'clock? Depends, depends on the morning, but it was up. What, now, what was this morning? How long? 3.30 at night editing videos this week. Um, and he was up really late last night finishing off the video and here he is serving this morning. I say, I'm so proud of, um, like, don't 
die, like look after yourself, but I'm so proud of, <laughs> but I'm so proud, like that, that's too much, <laughs> I get sleep is good. Um, but there's such a servant-heartedness as they fight for their relationship with God and do what's right. Um, once again, don't stay up crazy night after night, it doesn't work. But. Where are you positioning yourself in your relationship with God? You see, when you position yourself and the unknown happens, God shows up. When you place yourself in a space where maybe you're not even prepared, but your position where God wants you and your relationship is close to him, he will use you in a mighty way. A number of years ago, I um, had the privilege of going to a grand opening of one of the medical facilities in Ballarat. And some of you may know Neil Davies, an incredible guy. He's the, the pastor out at Haddon. So shout out to, to Haddon Church of Christ and Neil. G'day, mate, if you're watching this ever in history, because it's now online. <laughs> And, and Neil invited me out to attend the grand opening of this medical facility. And I thought, that's great. It was like six months' notice. I'm like, whew, man, that, that's, that's a lot of notice. Awesome. And then a few months go past, and I get another invitation. Hey, just making sure you're okay to come. Yep, awesome. Then now we're a month out from the event. Are you okay to attend? I'm like, yes, I am for the third time. Like, a number's... You know, are people not RSVPing, are numbers low? Um, yes, um, I'll be there. Two weeks out, I get a phone call. Just making sure you're okay. I'm thinking, man, this guy's desperate. No one must be turning up to this thing. This is like, yeah, yep, looking forward to it, mate. It's going to be great. Really looking forward to it. Thinking, what? Okay, this is, yep. The week before, another phone call and a text message. Then it comes to the day. It's a two o'clock um, opening on a Sunday. And so the Sunday morning, I've been to church. I've served at the two morning services. And at, usually after those two morning services on a Sunday, I'm pretty, pretty wiped out. And so I get home and I set my alarm on my phone for half hour and I lie down on the couch and have a, have a snooze. My alarm goes off and I'm trying to fight the alarm to wake up. And Yvette was off at a training event, so I've got the three kids, so now, now I realise I'm almost running late, so I'm trying to round the kids up and get them all going I'm still half asleep. I tend up, we turn up to this, this opening, and everyone's in like suits, and they're all dressed to the nines, like I've just slept in this shirt, and I've worn it all morning, like, <laughs> ripper, <laughs> this is going well. Um, and everyone's like all you know, you know, special platters of food and I'm trying to stop the kids from like chucking multiple things in their mouth and toothpicks hanging out like, you know, trying, trying to keep them under control and well behaved and it's all going crazy. It's an out, outside event and there's umbrellas um, and it's a really hot day and so we get to this point where the, the presentations and speeches are about to take place and so I get the kids to move away from the food, and move away from the umbrellas to let some of the old, older members have the shade. And so now we're sitting on what essentially used to, was to become the car park on the ground, trying to find some shade on the ground with a, a dirty slept-in T-shirt or shirt. And, um, and then the ex-mayor gets up there with a suit and gives some incredible speech, and the next person gets up, and they're all hierarchy and amazing and incredibly you know, rehearsed and polished speeches and dedications for the, the building. Like, it was amazing. 
And then Neil goes, I'm just now going to invite Pastor Tim up. (laughs) Who's going to pray a prayer of dedication? And I remember two thoughts. One was neutral face. Very important thing. (laughs) So I get up like... Inside's like, <laughs> what's going on? And, and I had time for one prayer. And my prayer was, God, help me now. Now. So I get up there. Um, and the, the best thing about prayer is everyone gets to close their eyes. <laughs> and I remember just, God, I need something right now. And... And God gave me a word just around praying for holistic health for this medical facility. And so we prayed this prayer about holistic health. Um, well, you know, the, the rest of the, the opening sort of took place and they cut the ribbon and did all those things. And I went back to the car and grabbed my diary, grabbed out the email that I'd printed with the invitation, then folded the bottom part down. And just under the crease that I folded, it said, and could you pray a prayer? I did it like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I see what I did there. Yeah. Read the whole email, boy. <laughs> like, okay. Um, the next day, Neil comes into the, the church and, and he says, I've just come from a staff meeting. And Neil's a little bit, bit teary and goes, and the entire staff are saying, How, you must have worded that pastor guy up. And he's like, what? You must have worded him up because he prayed our mission statement and everything that we've wanted for this organisation. And Neil's like, no, 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 I didn't word him up at all. And Neil's like, yeah, like, did you read it? I said, no, no, I'm just really good. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. In that moment, I, I honestly, like, straight away, because I'm I, from the moment that I get invited up to, to pray, like, I'm feeling, like, the guilt and shame of not reading the email, not being prepared, not being... Like in my humanity, everything in me is just like, oh, that is so everything I am against about being organised and honouring people's time and an invitation like, oh, man, what a failure. So then I've, I've shared with Neil, so look, I've got to be honest, stop, 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 stop. I've got to be honest, I am so sorry. But this is what happened. I told him about the email and folding the page and how I messed up and all that stuff. Of course, now, at this point, we're both in tears because Neil's just like, I just want you to know that you prayed almost word for word our mission statement, everything that we wanted for that building. I want to say that, that it's these moments when the unknown happens, when you have positioned yourself in a place where God can use you. It's not about your abilities. It's not about, about how, good it, how good you are or what all the preparation. When you position, it's not about your ability, it's about your availability to be used by Him. And in that unknown, God did something far greater than I ever could have by myself. I want to say that, that those moments are modern day miracles because God did the supernatural and opened up a door for Neil to have conversations in that space to point people to Jesus. I want to encourage us this morning to fight for our relationship with God because there will be moments when you get invited for something It may not be to do a prayer of dedication at a medical facility, but there'll be moments when you're faced with a question or a task or a relationship or a decision, when your circumstances around you 
change and you're not ready for it. And where you position yourself in your relationship with God will matter. You don't want to flight. You don't want to run away in those moments and try and do it on your own strength. You want to lean in and fight so that God can do great things through you. No matter where you are, whether you've run away or that you're fighting, I want you to know that God is with you because of what Jesus did. And what Jesus did, he did on the cross. The difference between the covenant was this. The old covenant was that God said, if you do this, I will do this. And then there will be a good outcome. The new covenant is where Jesus says, if you just be, I will do it all. Just believe in me. Jesus paid the price when he died on the cross. That's the power of Christianity. No other religion in the world has the power that that their version of God or their deity would pay the price for their followers. Yet God loved us so much that he made a way for us through his son. All you have to do is accept him and believe. We now come to a time of communion where we have the opportunity to once again reflect on what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because of that, we have a definition of where we belong in our location. We have a definition of our identity in that we are loved by God, that that we are supported through his son, that we are adopted into his family as a child of God. You belong because of what Jesus has done for you. Today we come to a time of communion, which is known as common union. We come together because we are unified together around Jesus. He has drawn us through Jesus to to be able to be in a relationship with God. When I grew up, there was a a photo on on the wall at home of a doorway that didn't have a door handle on one side. And on that side, there was a a picture of Jesus knocking. And a passage in Revelation says, I stand at the door and knock. And the idea of this image was that, that on the other side of the doorway is a handle and it's the handle to our heart and our life. Now Jesus is a gentleman. He doesn't force his way in. It's our choice. So he's standing there knocking. And all we have to do is open the door and he will come in. It's our choice, our decision. Today I want us to reflect that Jesus has done it all. We take a little piece of bread that represents Jesus' body. Because when Jesus died on the cross, his body was broken in our place to pay the price for the things that we have done wrong and to restore our relationship with God. Jesus then took the cup and says, every time you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. See, the the shedding of blood in the Old Testament was a way of saying, 
I know that I have done the wrong things between me and you, God. I deserve death, but will you take this sacrifice, this substitute in my place? And when Jesus died on the cross, he became that substitute, that sacrifice for you and for me. As we take the bread and the cup this morning, I want to encourage us to fight for our relationship with the one who gave all for us so that when the unknown comes, we will be prepared because he is the God not only in the unknown, but of the unknown. And we'll be able to face that with him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son to earth that because when we draw close to you, you draw close to us. We thank you that you have made a way for us to have a relationship with you. We thank you that Jesus loved us so much that he took our punishment upon himself so that we could be restored, that we could have a relationship with our loving creator. And all we have to do is say thank you and accept Jesus into our heart. God, for some of us, we need to spend this time to say sorry. Because when the going gets tough, we've run away. We have dropped some of those habits. We've dropped some of that relationship. And we have sensed our own thoughts and our own wills and desires creeping in to the point where we're not happy with the actions that we see in those moments of unknown. Lord, right now, I want to ask that we would give those things to the cross once again. Because that's why Jesus died, to forgive us for those times when we've turned away. So that we can turn back and once again draw closer and fight for our relationship with Him. God, we thank You that You made a way. May we reflect and focus on Your Son's love for us. In Jesus' name we pray.